Cowboys update. It is time for Off of the Helmets, courtesy of DSP Media, and I'm Brady Tinker. Trade deadline update coming. What really happened? So the Cowboys ended up with nothing. Or is it nothing? Because Odell Beckham may be coming uh, to be a Dallas Cowboys. So says Michael Irvin. By week healing and getting ready for Green Bay. We'll get to all that because Green Bay, then Minnesota, then the New York Giants. The test begins. They passed the first test. They got to 6-2 and two with a backup quarterback. Now it's time to get on to the real meat of the schedule. And is this team a playoff team? Next. And welcome in, everybody, to Off of the Helmets, brought to you by DFP Media. I'm Brady Tinker. Thrilled to be here with you on this rainy Friday afternoon. I want to get you up to date before the weekend comes and you all sit down on Sunday and realize your team's not playing. And the truth is, it's a good thing. They're coming off a little two-game winning streak. They're 6-2. and two. They're right in the middle of the hunt in the NFC. And it is time for guys to get healthy. And it is a litany of guys that really needed this six, seven, eight-day period, depending on how long they take before they begin with Green Bay. It's off of the helmets, and I'm Brady Tinker. Thrilled to be here. Trade deadline timeline for you. I did a little clip on this yesterday. Check in with me. Uh, with our Off of the Helmets clips, courtesy of DSP Media. Uh, they'll be posted all the time at YouTube and on our website, and they're on social media everywhere. They're 30 seconds to two and a half minutes long, and I'll usually be at the star after I've heard something that you want to know. So we're doing that virtually every day. Off of the Helmets wants you to know that the trade deadline timeline looked something like this, because everyone's like, what the fuck happened? How did we end up with nothing? And now we're sitting here, and it better be Odell Beckham Jr., or holy shit, that's kind of the way it feels. That may not be the way it is. So here's the timeline. A week outside the trade deadline, Jerry Jones was being coy on a radio show and said, I'm interested in a player, but only one that has the impact of a Deion Sanders like he had for us. Good luck. Then his comment was, I don't see any of those players in the market, so we're probably not interested. A day or so later, he came out and said, all right, we're interested. But you know how businessmen like me like to do business. The trade needs to come to me. It's better if the trade comes to us, I think he said. Certainly a businessman's point of view. It's always better. What Jerry and Steven didn't realize until about two days before the trade deadline was over was, is a seller's market. For whatever reason, this was and was going to be and was the largest trade deadline day and trade deadline frenzy of trades in like 25 years in the NFL. Nobody really knows why. But from the NFC's point of view, it's because Tom apparently isn't any good anymore. Aaron doesn't care anymore. And the Rams just got their Super Bowl and now they're done. It happens. But the truth is now the chief competition is Minnesota, San Francisco, I guess Philadelphia, right? And maybe the New York Giants. Are you scared of that? I'm not. And neither was anyone else in the NFC when they included the Cowboys in that mix. So people went and got shit done. Minnesota made a huge trade for a great tight end. That makes them better. Did you know Jefferson hasn't scored a touchdown since week one? So now he gets a great tight end and maybe he gets more single coverage, more opportunity to be open. So Minnesota got better. Philadelphia got better with a pass rusher. You can say whatever you want to about him. That guy's a really good player. And then San Francisco went and got the best running back in football when he's healthy. So those three teams got better. They got a lot better. And the truth was, probably all three of them, and you're going to hate this about San Francisco, are slightly better roster-wise than our team before the trades. So those three teams got better. The Cowboys didn't get interested until too late. So about two days before, they realized it's a seller's market. We're going to have to probably pay retail. we got to make friends with that. Jerry went to Steven, I'm certain, because I know Steven didn't like the idea. And they looked into Chase Claypool. So Chase Claypool, the asking price was a second-round pick. 
those of you who are automatically negative about everything would say he hasn't really done that much. His rookie year was good. Then he didn't do anything. I would say Ben Roethlisberger didn't do shit the last two years, and he was a waste of air in Pittsburgh, but he was a legend. Therefore, a hoss like Chase Claypool at 6'3", nearly 6'4", 235 pounds, who runs a 4'4"-ish 40, didn't get as many opportunities, and he's young, so maybe he was a bit of a prima donna. I'll forgive him. He's 24, and here's the other thing that makes him so tradable and makes him worth a second. Making $1.4 million this year, making $1.5 million next year. You would own him the rest of this year and next year when his rookie contract is up. And you have first serve if this guy has turned into the beast that he can probably be. He's very Debo Samuel without the heart to this point, but he has the physical skills. But a second-round pick was too steep for Steven and company, and they passed. But then they went shopping, and they went shopping, and the only thing left in the market was Brandon Cooks. Now, a lot of you say, listen, that dude's got five or 6,000-yard seasons. I want Brandon Cooks. Have you ever noticed that he played for almost every great quarterback in the NFL, and he basically played for them a year? The underlying current with Brandon Cooks is he can get deep. That's good. Cowboys need somebody to stretch the defense. But he doesn't really like the 8-yard slant or the 15-yard out. Anything that runs him near the safety that might cause a hit is not his favorite, especially on third and eight and the fourth down when it really means something and everyone's going to hit him. And so he's in and out. And he gets 1,100 or 1,200 and seven touchdowns. And everyone's like, he good. He good. He is good physically. But the Cowboys got in a spot where they were like, we got to do something because Jerry's already said all these other clever things like, I'm set on go. I'm at the train station waiting to grab the caboose, I think he said. And I guess that was supposed to mean to us, we're getting ready to make a trade and, and I'm getting on this train and you can get on and you never really know what he means. But the inference was we're making a deal. That was in the middle of the day on the trade deadline. So Brandon Cooks, which three or four other teams were after, you're calling Houston and Houston said, well, on a second, Cowboys are like, wait a minute. I just said no to a second for a 24-year-old who makes a million five. This is a 30-year-old who doesn't want to go across the middle who makes, get this, 16.5 million this year and 18 million guaranteed next year. But the Cowboys were in a little bit of a desperate spot. The fans wanted something. They do need somebody to stretch the field. This offense has to be markedly better if you're actually going to win 13 games and play a home game and try and matriculate your way through the playoffs. you got to be better. And they probably need a little bit of help. So, okay, we're in on the wrong guy. The other guy's already gone. Claypool's already gone. We're in the wrong guy. It's Cooks. He's a veteran. He comes here. The fans will be thrilled. And at least somebody will go deep. At least somebody legitimate will go deep, which will help stretch the defense. We're in. 17 million this year, so whatever roughly half of that is, and 18 million guaranteed next year. Damn, Steven's thinking, I wish I would have gone after Claypool, but I didn't. So, okay, we're willing to go the second. But 18 million guaranteed next year? That sounds shitty. So split it with us. And I'm making this up because I don't know the amount. But Steven was like, we need some help on that number. You don't want that number next year. You're a rebuilding you know, team that's looking for draft picks. You don't want Brandon Cooks at 31 who doesn't give a shit and pay him $18 million next year. We know that's why he's on the trade deadline or trade block, and that's why all these other people are calling. So split it with us, I'm guessing. $9 million for you, $9 million for us, and you get a second, and you get rid of this. Houston held steadfast. We want the second, and he's yours. You own all the note the rest of this year and the rest of next year. And Steven ground over it. They all ground over it. I'm sure he got with Will McClay and he got, I don't know if he got with Dak, but he got with the offensive coordinator and they all said, what do you think? What do you think? And they couldn't pull the trigger. And to be honest with you, it, it sucks that they didn't make a trade, 
but that would have been a terrible trade. You can't give up equity in the second round and pay roughly what's going to be $26 million in the next year and a half for Brandon Cooks. You, you just can't. He's not that impactful, I promise. So back to our team. Jalen Tolbert apparently can't learn the plays. James Washington, you could dream that he's got an upside and his going deep was the best thing he did in Pittsburgh, but he never did it at a very high level. And he's probably four games away. And Jalen Tolbert may be one of those third round busts because it happens. So then what? Wait, it's all going to be okay because Michael Irvin calls everybody in town on the radio and says, I talked to Odell and Odell wants to be a cowboy. It's a done deal. Odell wants to be a cowboy. Only Odell had a torn ACL in 2020 in the middle of season in Cleveland when he was throwing that entire franchise under the bus and their bad quarterback. And then he had an ACL surgery, missed the rest of the season then missed part of 2021, asked out of his contract, got released by Cleveland, and the Rams scooped him up for a one-year deal, of which he came in and he played eight games. Do you know what he did in the eight games? Averaged just under three catches a game, right at 36 yards a game, and he caught two touchdowns. In the playoffs, I believe he had four touchdowns in the playoffs, so that is no doubt impactful. And all of you are saying, that's all I need, dude. We'll get to the playoffs. You bring Odell in here to add to this offense, and he does big things. And he's not a dick anymore. He's over that, right? He's now appreciative of his career. Maybe true. But 36 yards a game and under two catches, and he got hot for a, basically a two-week period. And then again, you remember, he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. Now, he had a good hand in helping that team win the Super Bowl. He really did. His touchdown was huge. I think he had three catches. He was impactful. Defenses were having to literally rotate to Odell Beckham, even though Cooper Cup was over there. It was a big deal, and it helped. There's no doubt about it. So now he's on the open market. And Stephen Jones the other day playing the Jones game said, you know, guys, we don't have to have done something at the trade deadline to acquire players. There's other ways to acquire players. There's players out there that aren't tethered to a team. Mm, all this like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we hear you. We know what you're talking about. So Odell's available. Michael's called him. Everybody's doing their due diligence to try and get Odell in here. But the truth is, there are four or five other teams that I know about that are in line, Buffalo being one of them. Would he rather be here or would he rather be in Buffalo? Now, it's much cooler to live in Dallas and be a Cowboy than it is be a Buffalo Bill, but that quarterback and that team are the odds-on favorite right now to win the Super Bowl. So if he genuinely wants another ring and he wants to go down in history as the rent-a-player who went back-to-back -back with rings, he's going to Buffalo. Baltimore's also calling. Philadelphia is also calling. Of course they are. So it's not a done deal. It's far from a done deal. And from now what I'm hearing, it may take more than a one-year contract. And I don't blame him. If they're lining up, get yourself a two-year contract. That I, I got no idea, to be honest with you. I got no idea what he could command. Two for eight with incentives on catches and games played and touchdowns or whatever else you want to do, maybe. Cowboys can certainly afford it. I'll tell you that. They're 18-ish million dollars under the salary cap. They've got room. Now, there are 13 free agents on this team as, as next year rolls around, but it doesn't matter. The cap number will go up. Who else is free? Will Fuller. You remember how fast Will Fuller was? Good in Houston as well, right? When he played. Uh, T.Y. Hilton. Doesn't it seem like it's been seven years since T.Y. Hilton was good? But available if you want it. So that's where that stands. Yes, they're in on Odell Beckham. Uh, yes, they'll probably be willing to pay too much. Yes, they might give him a two-year deal which could be a huge mistake, but I know it's what you want. And somebody needs to stretch this defense or threaten the safeties in the corners. 
Sore bodies, changing topics. There are a lot of sore bodies. Micah Parsons is sore. That was a groin that you saw three games ago, and then a hamstring comes with it because you favor something, and yet he's still running 22 miles an hour and making plays. He's amazing, but he's sore, and he needs this time. It's perfect. Zeke Elliott, they're being a little coy about this, but I'll tell you he's going to play. So it's an MCL slight tear behind the right knee, I think. Doesn't matter. And actually, he probably would have played last week if it was a very important game. So he gets what is the equivalent of almost three weeks off not playing last week. It's the right thing to do. He's going to play. J. Ron Curse is a big deal. He's got a hip issue, and he's done doing lots of rubber band stuff. We'll see. Cavante Turpin, also general body soreness. I'm like, I bet you weigh about 130 pounds, and people go knocking you down at full speed when you return kicks and punts. I bet you got general body soreness. Hasn't he made a difference? If you start to figure out how you got here, and I'll get back to sore bodies, hasn't Cavante Turpin, the USFL, I think it was, MVP, way to go, Will McClay, again, made a difference, returning kicks and punts, threatening to score touchdowns, changing field positions. Now he's done, I think his longest one was 59 yards, where the backup cornerback ran into him and knocked him down, but they didn't get points there. I don't remember why, but he's made a difference. The other thing that's made a difference is the kicker. And as much as we don't care about kickers, or we do, or we overpay them, or we underpay them, the bottom line is when you have one of those teams that sits on the teeter-totter a little bit, when you miss the 41-yard field goal early in the first, you sort of go, might not be our day. So total kudos to the kicker and the special teams group as well, and their coach, who's a little crazy, but they're getting it done. Dalton Schultz has been playing the last two weeks with a great deal of pain in a sprained MCL. Apparently, there's no tear. That's not right. And you saw him take a week off, then come back, then have to leave the game with uh, three targets and no catches, then try and play again the next week and tweak it to where you could see he was in dire pain. And yet he comes back and he plays again. And he was really good the last two weeks. So tip of the hat to him. Hopefully this time we'll get him well. Malik Hooker hasn't played in two games, I think. And you know how Jerry loves his hooker. It's actually what he said on the radio. I love that hooker at safety. Probably should just leave it there. He's working on getting healthy. It's a hamstring. Sam Williams, who made a giant impact in what was maybe 19 plays on the field, had two quarterbacks hits, a sack, a fumble recovery, and a pass defended. And that's your second round pick. And he is a hoss. Sam Williams has a little knee issue. Should be back. Zeke's MCL we talked about. Noah Brown missed last week. And as odd as it seems, Noah Brown has become an integral part of this offense. Not extraordinarily explosive, but he's always where he's supposed to be. And you know how this quarterback likes that. So Noah Brown will return. And then Anthony Barr left in the middle of the game last week. And Anthony Barr has been keeping some other really good linebackers off of the field. He's planning on being back as well. So those are the sore bodies. The goals as we try and get through this bye week, and then prepare next week for Green Bay. There are goals. Health of all these guys is the first thing. The next thing is run defense and tackling because the Bears rang up 240 yards rushing, and you knew they were going to. So the tackling is still an issue. Run defense is really not getting better. And what happens is you get tired and sore and willingness to tackle big damn quarterbacks and 215-pound running backs, it, it gets tough. So it's a mindset. Mobile QBs have been a problem for this team. Every single one of them did well. Hertz did well. Daniel Jones did very well. Justin Fields did very well. Mobile quarterbacks are a problem. Only got one left, and it is Hertz again on Christmas Eve. But if you happen to get to the Super Bowl, Kansas City's got a mobile quarterback, and so does Buffalo, and so does Baltimore. So <laughs> it probably needs to get better. The pass offense needs to get better. The truth is, statistically, the protection on this team has gotten worse and worse, especially from the tackle position for the last four or five weeks. Listen, 
Smith is doing great. You're, you're not hearing a lot about Terrence Steele. You'd have to say we're all thrilled with Tyler Smith. We were worried that we reached on a pick that we, you know, were doomed because Tyron Smith isn't playing. And it's probably still a ways off for him. It might even be week 13 or 14 or 15. But he will play this year, I think. Jason Peters is imposing but has had some tweaky stuff since he got back, which you can imagine. At 41, not having played a lot, Jason Peters has got tweaky stuff. But if those guys all got healthy in week 14 – and you had Smith and Smith and Peters line up on the left side in the depth of depth of McGovern. You could run left a lot when the playoffs come, and I'm excited about that. More tight ends. If the offense is going to get better, one of the recommendations from this guy, I know you don't really care, certainly the Cowboys don't care, but I'm going to say it anyway, is more 12 personnel. Remember when the Patriots had that year or two with Gronkowski and Hernandez and basically ran an offense that featured fast, big tight ends running skinny posts and uh, running down the middle of the field, and Tom just got them the ball over and over again. You can run that same 12 formation with this team, which will get you some more one-on-one -on -one opportunities with Gallup on the outside. You can throw 50-50 balls, and CD, who, if he can get into open space, has those great wiggle hips. I, I think that would be great, and what I'm asking is for the offensive coordinator to continue to get creative. It was better last week, so Dak had more rhythm and timing. There were actually wide receivers in motion. I nearly fell out of my chair. There were some different formations. It was great, and they got Dak to the edge, which I think is something they need to do. Dak running the football in terms of this is a running play for Dak is fucking stupid. But him using his legs, being able to get five yards in slide or get slightly towards the tight end side where he can see his wide receivers. As Jason Garrett reminded us on TV, and I thought he was exactly right, when Dak can genuinely see an unencumbered look at his receiver, he throws great passes. Well, I Probably the same for every quarterback, but he is less fearful where a lot of cornerbacks just frigging turn it loose. Dak likes to have a good eye on his guy, and he likes people to be open. That doesn't happen all that often. If you're going to fix something with a passing game, wouldn't it include Tony Pollard? Did Tony Pollard not impress you in 14 runs for 138 yards and one catch for 16? He impressed me. Many of you say there's a running back controversy controversy there's not first of all Zeke's been very good the last four games he's the heart and soul of this team and it takes two Pollard got the same 14 carries which is the most he's ever gotten in his career he's not ready for 20 touches not even 20 especially not 25 so looking for help in the passing game looking for more big plays guess who has the three biggest plays of the year Tony Pollard two runs and a catch 47 57 and 59 Pollard's catches for the year starting with week one are one two two, zero, one, zero, four, and two. You know what that totals? 12. Tony Pollard has 12 catches. Biggest play guy you have on your team has 12 catches. How many games? Eight games. It seems like it's easy. Wouldn't you run Tony Pollard around in front of the quarterback and see if you could get some wheel routes every now and then, right? He's probably not getting a safety if you run the wide receivers down the middle of the field. It just seems like those are shots that you would take. Those are shots that you and I would figure out to take if they don't do it. They're going to have to challenge people deep somewhere or another. If James Washington gets back, that will help. Otherwise, you're going to have to trust Gallup, who looked a little healthier last week. Gallup is a 50-50 guy. If you get the safety away from him a little bit and can get the ball to him 30 or 40 yards down the field, you have to take that shot a couple of times a game because the defenses are going to continue to creep this way. Green Bay can play defense. Minnesota can play defense, and the Giants can play defense. So this offense has to get better. And you have to give the quarterback more to work with. More good play calls, please, if you will. More good play calls. A little bit of creativity. Listen, take the week off and watch Kansas City, Buffalo, and San Francisco play and steal some of their plays. But get more creative because the person on the hot seat around here isn't the head coach. It's the offensive coordinator. 
Tony Pollard, by the way, is the FedEx Ground Player of the Week. They also made up a new nick for him, nickname for him during the game, Tony Hollard. They were yelling it, Hollard, because early in the week he'd said, you call it, I'll haul it. And then he had a great game. 14 carries, 131 yards, and three touchdowns in 33 plays. So that also tells you 15 touches in 33 plays means we don't want him having to pick up blitzes. You and I all know that. The offensive coordinator's job is on the line first. Mike McCarthy's job is on the line if this thing fails in the first round of the playoffs again because Dan Quinn's probably going to leave and we desperately don't want that to happen. I promise you, we don't want that to happen. He has built a culture here on the defensive side of the football that we haven't seen since Haley's group and really probably back more to the doomsday days. Give credit to Malik Davis, who stepped in last week as the second running back. He got eight carries for 23, not great. But he had two catches for 18, and he nearly scored a touchdown on a little play that we kind of around here predicted because the running back who never plays doesn't really get accounted for most of the time, and he got right to the goal line. I was thrilled about that, and he was up for it. He didn't look too scared. He's not great, but he can play the role if needed. If Zeke has a little tweaky something again in the next couple of weeks, they can take him out. Malik Davis has now been given a taste. Dak's longest passes in the game against the Bears were 16, 17, 22, and 30. Okay, chunk plays, if you will. Remember, the 30 was sort of a Hail Mary and a group of people by the tight end. Wish it had been something different, but I'll take it. More shots down the field need to happen, and there are plenty of ways to do it. Pollard on the wheel, wide receivers out of the 12 personnel, all things we've talked about. How about Cavante Turpin getting on the field more than once or twice a game? He comes on the field and they run a reverse. And everyone knows it's going to happen. And guess what? For the most part, he's still getting 11. Why wouldn't you? I can't figure it out. Why Why wouldn't you? So now as you get ready for Green Bay and Minnesota and New York after that, and you're looking to Christmas Eve against Philadelphia, you are going to have to let Dak run the ball a little bit in the red zone. And I'm totally against Dak running the ball, period. But how beautiful was the play in the red zone? He's very good with his ball handling when they set it up right with the run, 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 with a look left, with this and that and the other. He bootlegs out and gets out in the open field. And only one man can put a big hit on him. And lo and behold, it was mind-blowing. Dalton Schultz got his body over there, got in great position, and pushed the cornerback out of the way. So, so Dak goes in the end zone untouched. And I was like, it does seem like in his career he's been pretty good at that. Here's what I found. He has 26 red zone touchdown runs in his 88 games. That's effective. You're going to have to keep that in the offense because it's getting harder and harder throughout the NFL to score touchdowns in the red zone. Most people are playing zone. The athletes are phenomenal. Everyone's in dimes. So you've got seven guys and, and a fast linebacker there. You've got eight guys getting in the way of three wide receivers. Uh, it's very difficult in the NFL right now with the athleticism on the defensive side of the ball. That's why points are down. That's why fantasy football is no fun this year because you can't score touchdowns in the red zone. Even go look at Buffalo, who's won three games by scores of like 21, 23, and 24, yet they have more yards than anybody in the NFL, I think, by a mile. Why is that happening? Because because it's hard to throw the damn ball into the end zone from the red zone, and their running game isn't as good. Nice addition by them getting Naheem Hines. That will help, right? Naheem Hines dumping passes off to him. He's he's a true weapon, so that was a quiet get for Buffalo. It is harder to score in the red zone, and Dak doesn't like to throw through small windows. He's good at it. He just doesn't like it, right? His percentage of throwing through small windows, there's numbers for everything. Last year was like fourth in the NFL. He's great at it, but he hates it. He hates, he hates the idea of an interception, I think, and he hates the idea of throwing someone open or any of that. He doesn't like it, and he really honestly needs to get over it. He really does. 
it is almost time to see what this team really has. And we've seen, we've passed the first test. Listen, all of us, when he went down in week one and when they took a beating, when they looked completely unprepared and like they had no confidence against Tampa Bay, losing 19 to three in week one, I was like, I can't believe that we as fans and me as someone who covers the team has 18 more weeks of a tank season, but there are four quarterbacks in this draft. And if that one's hurt again, you may need to think about how soon you can get out from underneath that contract and make a move. And I genuinely thought it was going to happen. I think if I would have taken a poll of all of you the day after game one, we'd have probably got 70-30 to tank. But they didn't do it. And McCarthy stepped up and showed his medal his best. He really did. He went back to the garage and all the knowledge that he got in Green Bay and said, we're going to do it this way. And the defensive coordinator came along and said, I got you. We'll, we'll hold up our end, which will be 70%. You hold up the 30%. Don't turn the ball over. We'll keep you in games. And if you can get that backup quarterback not to fuck things up, I think we'll be okay. Damned if they weren't. Damned if they weren't, right? So Cooper Cup and the team and the locker room and the entire coaching staff pass a giant test that most of us never thought they would pass. Kudos. But here we are, and here come Green Bay, Minnesota, and New York. Philadelphia is probably a must-win on the 24th. If you think you have a chance to win the division, we'll know by then. And several other good teams in here that are not to be taken lightly. What's happened has been amazing, but it's not good enough. And Dak last week was better than he was against Detroit. That's great. But Detroit and Chicago are not very good football teams. The next three teams coming in here or that you're going to visit are good football teams. They're good football teams. And so the defense has to get better at tackling, which I know they will take to heart and will get better at. Um, and the offense has to be able to score when called upon. It is going to happen that they're going to be behind 14 to nothing to somebody. It's going to happen. A kick return for a touchdown, a fumble in the red zone. They turn it in. It's 14 to nothing. You know what you need? You need some damn points. And this team's going to be able to run, going to be able to play defense. Special teams are great. They can kick it. Jerry said, if you can run it, play defense and kick it, you can win a lot of games. He's right. But the truth is you will not beat the teams you need to beat that can play offense because it is still an offensive league if this offense isn't better. So the next test is what does this offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, do to make Dak Prescott better? What reads can he give them that he's best at? Roll him out of the pocket a little bit. Continue more and more motion. Get Turpin on the field. Get Jalen Tolbert on the field. I don't give a shit whether you throw it to him or not. He's fast. Let's do something that makes everybody cover somebody. And I don't hate 12 personnel either. 12 personnel, run three tight ends for all I care. Because those two younger tight ends are big-ass dudes. Run them down the middle of the field. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Dak's not at his best throwing in the middle of the field. The one interception last week was silly, 14-point lead, and he says, you know, bad interception, but that's how I'm going to play. And I think, no, don't play like that. You're not great at throwing the ball between the hashes. You're good throwing the ball outside. And when it's you're up 14 and your defense is this good, do not throw a stupid fucking pass in the middle of the field at the end of the first half to give the other team a chance to get points. So I don't think that's what you meant. That's who I'm going to be. I'm going to be aggressive. Be aggressively smart, okay, and I know you will. But this thing has to get better, and I anticipate that it will. I'm sorry that they didn't make a trade. I'm sorry that they weren't in on Chase Claypool or someone else. And I hope for all of our sakes that Odell Beckham decides he wants to be a cowboy. But he's going to have lots of choices, and I think Steven's going to have another tough choice to make. When Odell says, I want two years. Hmm. Coming off your second ACL, you've been really good and an asshole, and two years, and you'll probably blow out another knee. Tough one to swallow. 
nothing to swallow. All of us would say, you got the money, do it. It doesn't make any difference. But there are 13 relatively key guys that are free agents when this season ends. And you'd probably like, as I look, to keep 10 of them. So that's more money. That $18 million cushion is going to go away in a hurry. Don't know how much the cap is going to go up. It'll probably be plenty because the NFL is worth trillions. But those things do matter. So we'll see if Odell Beckham Jr. comes here and if he suits up for the last three games of the year in the playoffs. And if he does, it might breathe a little bit of added energy into the team. We saw what Christian McCaffrey did in San Francisco. Holy shit. They were all so happy. Everybody's level raised 25%. Odell's not Christian McCaffrey anymore because he's older and he's more hurt. But that kind of thing might not hurt the team. And, you know, the guys in the locker room don't say we need anything. We're good. We're good with what we got here. But if you really ask them, they say, sure. Another good player in the mix would have would have or would energize us a little bit because these days get long into week 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. We're sore. We've hit a lot of people. We are bruised. We are tired. But we are united. But back to the point of we're sore. So give us something else to pump us up because we love McCarthy, but he don't really pump us up. And the offensive coordinator, we think is kind of a dipshit. So Dan Quinn's got everybody pumped up on the defensive side, but everything else hmm, gets a little stagnant. So let's hope for Odell Beckham and let's hope that the offensive coordinator ascends again to a position where people say he's a future head coach. You see this, you see what he's doing. You see these little adjustments that he's making. Let's hope for all of that. I'm Brady Tinker for Awful the Helmets, courtesy of the greatness of DSP Media. I will see you on Wednesday.